Bible. Let's pray before we go any farther. All right, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the freedom we have to be here today, a place to meet. Father, we thank you for that. Your word is absolutely true. Father, we thank you that we can trust it. We can trust you. We just ask your blessings upon um, your word in our lives today. And, and Father, these families and all of these that have trusted you and were baptized, that truly uh, you would manifest yourself greatly in their life for your glory. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We, we do uh, have given you already the material that you need for the, for the life group. And we went over kind of a synopsis last week, if you were here. We're really going over the seven realities of experiencing God. And we're going to have to put a couple of those together, uh, not next week, but the next week. They're really close kin, and since we don't have seven weeks, we'll put two of those together. But this one today is uh, God. God is active how he's been active and how he is active and he will be active. And one, just one thing before I, uh, before I forget it, surely you know by now uh, what's been going on in the Middle East with Israel. Uh, just be praying for them, all of them. Uh, you know, that, that the Jews and the Palestinians would come to Jesus through this. You know, we hate to see that. That's what evil does. You know, evil is wicked. Evil kills people. Uh, it's been going on for a long time. There's all kind of craziness going on. People blaming, blaming the Israelites for the, it is just out of this world what's going on. It just shows you how wicked the world is. We just be praying for them. You know, God's in control. That's what we're going to look at today. God is active. God's in control. Well, if he's in control, why didn't he stop it? Well, if God's in control, why didn't he stop the Holocaust? You know, we don't have some of those answers, but God's sovereign. And that's what we're going to look at. But that's what this whole thing is about. God is absolutely in control. And man, what peace it should give us when we remember with all this nonsense that is going on, and it's not just in Israel. <laughs> Isn't that right? It's everywhere that God is still in control. And how he uses the wickedness. And again, this is summation. Uh, Danny's going to put this online as well, but if you can download this, this study on the app because I'm not going to even cover a fraction of it. I'm just hitting the, the high points of his headings coming from uh, the Black Abyss study, Experiencing God. Uh, so uh, if you haven't taken part in that ever before, uh, it's us trying to see where God is in our life, what he wants to do in and with us and through us, if we're paying attention. So that, that's what the whole thing is about. Uh, it's not a program that you're going to get, get a certificate afterwards. Hopefully it's something where our life changes and where God can use us that we pay attention. And that's where we are. God's always working. He's always been working, always will be working. His sovereignty, sovereignty means what? Control. That's all that means. God's sovereignty means God's in control. It's worked out sometimes in a very mysterious providence. You know, if you look up the word providence, you'll see that it really, it means that God is active and in control in mankind events. You know, I, I told you last week, 150 years ago, had you done a Ph.D., you would have to deal with the providence of God. Now you do one, and it's, nobody even talks about it because God's not in the picture anymore. Providence simply means this, that God is working throughout the elements in our life, and he will fulfill a purpose. And sometimes it's mysterious to say, how in the world? How did we get from here to here? It's God's providence. I remember one time we were building a... Um, uh, a big cooker for the church to cook pigs and 
and, and what Dale was going to use for the big pipe in the middle was stainless steel, and not everybody had the ability to do that. So he said, I'm going to try to see if I can get this fixed. Well, he just shows up at one of the places that he has to randomly go to, and he has the pipe with him, and there that day is a man who's not there who can prepare that stainless steel pipe for us. What is that? You say, well, that's coincidence. No. Oh, God's not concerned about that. Yes, he is. Everything. Every aspect of our life. Look what Philippians, I mean, what uh, Psalm says. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from where my help comes. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. People look at Israel right now and say, well, where is God? The same place he is when Jesus died. Nothing's changed. You know, this is not the first time. Jordan Peterson was interviewing uh, Prime Minister of Israel, and, and he asked one of these questions. He just said, why do you think it's this way? He says, because people don't know history. They try to say, well, these Jews came in here and took the land. He said, they don't have a clue, and he traced it back. And if, you, if you're a history buff, you know exactly what happened. You know, Jesus was a Jew. He was in Jerusalem. He was in Israel when it was, it's always been the Jews' land, you know. And if you go and look at all the things that have happened, God's still in control of Israel, absolutely. He was in control when the Holocaust came. He was in control in the Old Testament when the kings ruined the whole nation because of their sin. Just because the evil happens, don't throw God out the window. And a lot of people try to do that. Behold, he that keepeth Israel, you know, the Jews will never be annihilated. That's a promise from God. You say, well, this is not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. Uh, everybody now on, on Facebook, you can find probably more information about the war going on on Facebook than you can. And please understand, everybody and their brother has an idea what's going on, and half of them don't have a clue what's going on. So be careful what you believe and what you see till you really see some evidence of things, you know. And all of them are always coming. Well, they they don't know. A lot of them don't have a clue. A lot of them protesting throughout the United States. Those students are like, I don't have any clue about history, what has been going on over there for the last 2,000 years. They don't know. So be careful. Just pray. But it says what? That keepeth Israel. He's not going to, he's not, this is not taking God by surprise. The things that happen in your life. They don't take God by surprise. God is active. And he's always been active. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but this is the Lord's purpose. Oh, it prevails. You know, we're going to keep looking at Joseph's life during this whole study. And if you remember Joseph, if you don't remember Joseph, go to Genesis and just read through the whole book again. It won't take you very long. You know, it'll take you longer than the television you watch in one day if you just stop and read it. And you'll talk, see how Joseph, how what happened to him in his life, how as a 17-year-old spoiled little brat was taken out and sent to Egypt in God's plan. And what happened was this. It was the responsibility of his brothers who had a choice that did this, but then God turned that round in his sovereignty to save the whole nation of Israel from which Jesus came. You know, and that's exactly what he says in chapter 50. He says, you meant it for evil, human responsibility. You have a choice. Everybody has a choice. There's no fatalism. You have a choice in God's sovereignty. And then he says, but God meant it for good. That's what this is. God, God's purpose, and it's crazy how God uses evil people still to get his purpose fulfilled. You say, well, I don't understand it. I don't either. I don't, I don't know. That's the mysterious part of it. 
It itself, of course, the might by no means that the Lord proves to be a superb chess player. Oh, no, no. God knows what's going on. He's always been active. The verse is linked to an important set of passages. It says that the man we think more deeply than that. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked for the day of disaster. Were the Assyrians wicked? Yes. Did God use them? Yes. And then destroyed them afterwards. Were the Babylonians wicked? Yes. Did God use them? Yes. Then destroyed them afterwards. God can use anything to get his purpose fulfilled because he knows in the choices that evil people make, he then uses the choices that he allows them to make. He doesn't make you sin. No, who remembers Flip Wilson? Don't go look him up on the Internet, all right? Don't do that. That's a waste of time. Don't do that. He had a show, and he always had this little segment where he was a preacher. And he's always saying, oh, the devil made me do it. No, you made you do it. James said, what? The lust of our own heart causes us to do what we're doing. Nobody's making you do anything. God doesn't make those evil people do things, but he turns it around and uses it for something good. You know, that's exactly what it means. It's not a dualistic universe where two autonomous principles, one good and one evil, operate. Some people try to say, well, if it's good, God did it, but if it's wrong, the devil did it. No, God is sovereign over all of it. You say, well, I don't understand that. No, I know you don't. I don't either. But God, we know absolutely is still in control, and that's what we have. There's a basic distinction between good and evil, and yet God's sovereignty reigns through all of it. He's always been active. We have to hurry. We're going to get on to the headlines anyway, or the headings. (laughs) In Romans 9, this is what Paul said about that. What if God, willing to show his wrath, his anger, and to make his power known, Endured with much long-suffering patience, vessels of wrath fitted for destruction. The Syrians. That's what he's talking about. God used these wicked, evil people who used to skin people alive for his own purpose. And then because of their wickedness and they didn't repent, they were destroyed. You know, how does that work out? God, God in his sovereignty does it. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. You know, it's not fatalism. Absolutely not. Let's keep going, all right? How y'all doing? <laughs> Somebody told me this morning, said, I, I was running about 70, but I had to speed up to 75. I'm not going that fast, right? Y'all with me? Hello? Yeah. At the same time, even with all the plotting in the world, a mere human cannot escape the sweep of divine sovereignty. God knows. God's in control. Sometimes I don't like it, but he is. I mean, he's going to, we just can't understand it. We're told the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. But what? He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. God does. You say, what? The lot is cast in the lap. But every decision is from the Lord. Studying that in context, absolutely, all right? Now, this is what Jesus said. My father, Jesus talking about God the Father, is still working. He's always been working. He started working way before the Garden of Eden. And he's still working now. He's not taken by surprise. I mean, he he knows what's going on. He's not sleeping. Whatever the father does, the son also does these things in the same way. You know, if you grew up in Palestine, in Jerusalem in that day, whatever your father did for a living as a boy, you would do the same thing. Whatever your mother did for a living as a girl, you would do the same thing. It was like that in the United States until, what, 75 years ago? If your father was a dentist, you'd be a dentist. If your father was a farmer, you'd be a farmer. Just the way it was. Go back and look at history. That's the way it was. Jesus said, 
And it was a concept. Whatever my father does, oh, I'm going to do it. And that's what he said. Whatever the father does, God the father, I'm going to do it. That's just the way it goes. That was the whole mentality. For the father loved the son and showed himself everything that he's doing. He doesn't take it by surprise. Now, I wish God would show me more of what he's going to do than he does. Don't you? He doesn't do it that way. Probably because we can't handle it. You know, if I knew, I'd probably, I don't know, I'd probably be in a mental institution somewhere. If I really knew what God was going to do and what I had to go through to get where he wants me to get. So he said, you can't handle that. You know, that's probably some of the reason why in the very beginning God didn't explain a lot more things to his people because there's no way they could handle it. That's why a lot of things in the Old Testament, they were there, but they were not explained until the New Testament because people couldn't grasp it. You know, even now, a lot of things in the Bible we don't understand yet. A lot of things when we were younger in the Bible we sure didn't get, and maybe now we might have a little bit more understanding of it, but we just don't get it. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, I know what's going on. Whatever the Father does, I'm doing. Trusting God's providence is not fatalism. Don't confuse it, okay? You know what fatalism is? Islam is fatalism, but they're not consistent. (laughs) You know, Islam is this. Whatever Allah wills, see, they believe in the sovereignty of God, and they say they don't have a choice, but yet they say, we got to live 51% better today than 49 because if I don't, if I die, then I'll go to hell. So they're saying, oh, if Allah wills it, but yet it depends on me. See, so they're not being consistent with what they say to believe. <laughs> There's a lot of us who we say one thing, but we're not consistent with what we say we believe. Isn't that something? It's called hypocr- hypocrisy, right? We talk a big game, but we just don't get through it. It's not a resigned sob. Well, just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. No, you have a choice. And God in his sovereign knows the choices that you're going to make. He's going to do everything within his power without being uh, uh, a tyrant to make you do something. He's going to do everything he can to get you in the right place. Joseph understood that. Remember Joseph? This is what happened with him quickly. Joseph himself is under no illusion. You remember what happened. He's in bondage. He's in the dungeon. He interprets a dream of two of the guys. One of them gets killed. The other one gets out and gets free. A few years later, uh, this guy's working in Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh has a dream. He said, wait a minute. I remember now. There was this guy down there told me exactly what's going to happen. You know, long story. Go back and read it. So they bring Joseph, who's now 13 years later. So he's probably 30 years old. And uh, he's... He comes up to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, you can interpret my dream. He said, oh, nope, I can't. I don't have that power. That's what he says. He's under no illusion that he has the power. Do not interpretations belong to God, he said. This would be a great time for him to impress the Pharaoh. And say, oh, look what I can do. He said, no. He said, God's in control of this thing, not me. This has always been that way. You know, everybody and brother think they've got a handle on what God's going to do. No, we don't. And be smart enough to say when you don't know, say, I don't know. Everybody and brother knows when the end time's coming, then nobody knows. Isn't that right? Boy, it's been on Facebook, isn't it? I hope God can use all that to arrest somebody's attention and say, well, what if this did happen today? Am I ready? That is the question. If this is the last day and this is the time when Israel is surrounded by the world and nobody and Jesus comes back, if this is it, Where are you going to be? That's the question. That's the main thing. And he said, oh, no, I can't do it. God, 
If God wants to tell me, he's the one who interprets the dream, not me. And later on, he'll say, absolutely, I can't interpret these dreams. God in the world, God does it. Yet despite the unwavering loyalty to God, despite that, he says, oh, no, I can't do it. He said, God's in control. Now, how would you be reacting? You've been treated this way by your brothers. They were wanting to kill him. And then Reuben said, no, we're not going to kill him. So they fished him up out of the well and sold him to a, a caravan going to Egypt. So he's sold in captivity. He's a slave. And all this is happening. And you have a chance to uh, have your way in all kind of ways. And you said, oh, no. Do you think he understood all that? No. But he knew God was in control. He learned that as a child, as a Jewish child. You know, that's one thing I'm praying for constantly. When I see this going on on television, that the Jews over there will see Jesus. And that the Palestinians and the Hamas, whoever they are, or if they are Iranians or wherever they are, that they would see Jesus out of this. You know, you would think in these last moments when you say, man, I'm about to die. Am I sure what I'm believing is going to get me there? You would kind of think that. Not necessarily. People are hard. You know, when, when you can do some of the things that they've been doing, they're hard. Not that God can save them, but pray for them. They need it. We need it. He's quite prepared to say, oh, no, God's in control of this thing. His faith in God does not mean... That he's passive, though. God expects you to do everything you can do. And then the things that you can't do, he'll do it. He's not going to just sit around and wait on you if you don't lift a hand and try to do something. What did Joseph do? He said, listen, this is the deal. This is what's happening. He told the butcher, he said, when you get out, tell Pharaoh about me. Tell them that I've been treated this way. And this. It went on for two years, and he didn't, they didn't do it. So he stayed two more years in the whole situation. Let's go to the other heading. All right, what is that? Here's what one of them is. This is prevalent in today's world. When good things happen, oh, that's God doing it. But when bad things happen, oh, that's the devil. No. God's still in control. Then why does he let these evil things happen? Because he gives evil people a choice. Why are you a fool some days? Because God gives you a choice. Isn't that right? You wake up in the morning and do some crazy foolish thing. Why? Because you wanted to. You had a choice. Oh, well, God shouldn't let me. Why? He gave you a choice. Right? We don't want to own that one, do we? Why are you acting like a fool today? Well, I made a choice acting like a fool today. But why would you do that? Well, if you know your sinful nature, then you know the answer to that. Let's go ahead. Where's the heading? My goodness, we have to get there. Ah, he brings in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I don't understand that. I believe it. I see evidence of it in the Bible. I don't understand that, how God can be three things. But he, he's God. He can do what I can't do. When you stop and say, well, until I understand that, then I'm going to believe him, then you're never going to believe him because you're not going to figure that one out, you know, because God is God, and only God can do that. You can't do that. Uh, the president can't do that. The president don't know his name half the days. He sure can't do that. You know, that's just sad. I, his wife ought to care more about him than that. You know? Come on now, let's just be honest. That's ridiculous. You know, it's just evident that he's having some problems. I feel sorry for the whole, anyway. Although we may have difficulty understanding it. Oh, you will. You know, Muslims say, oh, you're worshiping three gods. No, we're not. No, that's not it at all. God the Father, Christ the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all these are persons of the Godhead. They're not three separate. And it's always where you see God is dealing with someone and has an encounter. He always does it in one way, to God the Father, God the Spirit, or Jesus. 
You know, that's just the way it works. He's always, he's, inter, he's interacted uh, that way uh, from the very beginning. And he's still going to do it that way. Here's the thing that blows my mind. Why in the world would God choose to use us? Eh? On our best day. What does Isaiah say we are? A bunch of filthy rags. Well, don't call me that. That's what you are. You know, on our best day. That's right. Joseph says himself is no under illusion that he can do this. He said, oh, no, for some reason, God's given me a power, and, and through me, he's interpreting this. He says, he's involving Joseph in this whole process. He does that quite a few times during the Old Testament. Do not interpretations belong to God? It's a quote that he's from chapter 40 of Genesis, verse 8. Even before Pharaoh, when he could have, you know, bolstered himself a little bit, he said, oh, no, no, God, God's in control of this. I'm not. You know, <laughs> it's just. It's sad, but it's so damning to people when you hear all these people, well, I know exactly what it means. You don't have a clue what it means. A lot of times you get on these, see these guys on television and say, well, we know this. No, they don't. There's so much of these things. Start, when you start, especially when you're talking about in the book of Revelation, hello. There's so much symbolism on top of symbolism on top of symbolism. Oh, we got all that figured out. No, you don't. You're speculating. We're trying to guess at it by what we've been given, and we try to do what we can but it's, when you come to these things, you just say, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to trust God. I don't know. They don't want to do that. Joseph said, I don't know. I can't do this. This is God's stuff. This is not my stuff. I can't do that. Jesus recognized that his father is always working to accomplish what he wants to get done. And what, the good thing is this. God is always going to do the right thing. You know, even old crazy, what's his name? Uh, one of the liberal guys he's blonde-headed what's his name is it matt something what is his name no he's a blonde-headed uh he interviews people all the time he's got his own show what is his ain't it matt ah no no i think his name is matt something anyway he's always been liberal but you know what he said he said you're trying to say all this stuff for liberal he said Israel has always been on the up and up. I mean, he's a bleeding liberal. He said, oh, no, this ain't right. Israel has always been on the up and up. They're, they're not the ones who's crooked in this situation. You know, God is going to do the right thing. He's never going to do the wrong thing. Even when he lets somebody in your family die, he's never going to do the wrong thing. You just don't understand it, and I don't understand it. That's just part of it. He did not create the world and then abandon it and say, well, you're just on your own now. A lot of people think that. Oh, yeah, God started it all, and he stayed out there, and he left us alone by ourselves. There's no transcendent God who comes down and is involved in our lives. He's just out there. No, that's not right. God is always active, always going to be active, involved in our lives, in our world. He is actively at work redeeming the lost world. How do you think you ever, if you are sitting here and you're redeemed, do you think you did it yourself? No. If you're sitting here and not redeemed, you're not going to redeem yourself. Only the blood of Jesus is going to do that. And that's God's doing. That's the whole thing. All of it. Therefore, since the Father is at work, reconcile the world to himself. And since he's chosen us to be involved in it. I don't understand that. Why in the world would he choose those 12 guys to be his plan? You know, those guys were not seminary graduates, right? Hello? They're from boys down on the corner. You know? 
Only one of them did he actually said, in him there is no guile. One out of 12, that's a bad percentage. Right? Who was Peter? He cussed like a sailor and cut you. I mean, we're talking about rough boys. Why would he choose them? He said, no, that's, this is what's going to work. And why do you think you have the gospel today? Because of those 12. God had a plan. He said, nope, there's not a backup plan. This one's going to work. So what are we to do? How are we to respond to that commission that God wants to use us? <laughs> Number one, you've got to pay attention. We're so caught up in our own little world and our life, we would not recognize God doing something around us if it was right in our face. We're, we're playing at something. We're doing something, <laughs> you know. How do we respond? How do we get involved in that? If you go back to Christ's word in John, he said, what? We find a model that Jesus, he would go through and look and see, where's God doing something? What's it, where, is he stirring somebody's heart? What can I do over here? What's going on over here? You know, that's the, that's the, that's the thing he's talking about. He's been working all along. Now the Father has the working. I do nothing on my own, he says. I'm just picking up where God's already started something because I can't start anything. You know, I can't start a revival fire. God might can use some of us to ignite it somehow, but he has to do it. We, can, we can't do it. We can't do that. You look and see what God's doing. See, where's God moving? What's going on? He said, the Father loves me. He shows me everything that he is and what he's doing. Jesus is an example. God's still active. The, the Father works through him. How many times? How do we do you realize that? With all that going on in Israel, do you know Jesus is still the authority? Whatever's going on in your life, you just lost a loved one, you're about to lose a loved one, Jesus is still the authority, whether you're in Nigeria or Afghanistan or in Byron, doesn't really matter. He's still the authority. That's exactly what the commission says. All authority is given me under what? Heaven and earth. Till I put it all under my foot. That's exactly what it is. It's mediated through Jesus. God's using Jesus. He shows an example. He's going to use us. He wants to use us. Why in the world? I don't know. Small wonder. That's exactly what he says. All authority. Everything's mediated through Jesus. Everything. He is a king. His reign's contested, and it will be until that after the devil is thrown into the abyss for that last time. Now you start. You want to get complicated? Go to Revelation and say, okay, wait a minute. After this thousand years, then the devil's going to be turned loose again. Then he's going to mess up again. Then he's going to be cast into hell forever and forever. Figure that one out. You know, you want to get complicated. And one day there will no longer be any contest at all. One day it's coming to fruition. It's going to be done. That's why us today, we can deal with sickness and suffering and all the stuff we don't understand because we absolutely know God is still working. God is in control. Man, if we didn't have that to go on, I'd probably be an alcoholic myself. I grew up around it. I know what it is. I'd be something. Why? To try to dull the pain. Because I can't figure this out. No, we can't. I mean, we just can't. We can't figure all that out. We still trust Jesus. Because what? He's working. He's still working. He's still working. He's still working. What is the next heading? Let's hurry. That's what he says. A bunch of quotes in your study that you're going to see from Jesus. Find where God is working. Where is God doing something around us that he wants to use you? Can you shut off your television or get off of whatever you're on social media long enough to see God is doing something here and he wants me to be involved? We say, oh, we want to be involved, but we're too busy to see what God wants to do for us to be involved in it. And we miss it. 
Why? Because we're too busy. Because life, by the way, is about moi. Me. It's all about me. Ain't that right? Hello? I ain't got time. Why? I got to do this. Who's that for? Oh, it's for me. <laughs> me. Remember Forrest Gump when she said, Forrest, who you want to be? I want to be me. Remember that Toby Keith song? I want to talk about me. I'm tired of all this stuff about my girlfriend. I want to talk about me. And when we're concerned about me all the time, we can't see if it's right in our face what God's doing that he might want us to be involved in with him, that he's doing. You see where God's doing something, and you get in on it because you can't start it, and I can't start it. Jesus passed through the crowd, and he says this. He looked for where the Father was always at work, where somebody's being convicted, where something's going on, and then he would say something. The harvest field was within the crowd. Jesus always looked for some kind of activity. You know, you've heard me say it so many times, but that's exactly what Leo Humphrey was about. The guy in uh, Latin America who had all those missionaries that we went over there with, he said, I just try to keep my eye on what God is doing where, whether it's uh, El Salvador or Nicaragua, and I want to get in on it. And boy, he did get in on it. Why? Because he's paying attention. We're too busy to pay attention, right? And what you're listening to and what you're looking at, 95% of it is trash times a 1,000. I mean, it is. Come on. Be honest. And what you're letting your kids watch and listen to is the same thing. Please, God's going to hold you accountable for that, people. You know that, right? Oh, they're going to have to answer, but they're going to say, where did you learn that? Say, oh, well, my mom and daddy showed me. My mom and daddy let me. Oh, okay, that's a whole other subject. God is always active. He's always. Right now, God is always working around us. Something's going on. And the tragedy is we're too busy to see it. Or we're too busy to even think about looking for it. God, what you want to do? What's going on? Maybe if I get up in the morning, God, you're going to be doing something somewhere today where I'm going to be. I want to see it. Help me pay attention. Help me turn off enough of the world that I can hear you, that I can see what you're doing and how for some reason you want to use ungodly me to see your purpose fulfilled. When was the last time you did that? That's what we're talking about. We're too busy. Oh, my goodness, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. We're too busy. They're extremely exciting days that we're living in. You think right now with all that's going on over there, if anybody has a fraction that Israel is the center of the world and they see this happening, you could talk to them about eternity. I guarantee you they'll listen if they've never listened before. And they may start out on the wrong place, but you can start talking to them and say, well, what about this or what about this? Help them think. If they understand that, it's a great opportunity. There's not a better time to talk about all this stuff when somebody's about to die, <laughs> right? And as they, few of them have been saying on the world, whatever happens in Israel, you better believe it's going to affect us. Oh, well, that's way over there. Oh, no. No, sir. That ain't the way that works. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I hope you're wiser than that. You see through all that nonsense. No. It is absolutely a whole test of Western philosophy that they're trying to shut down because Israel is the only democratic slight picture over in that part of the world. You do understand that, right? So if they shut that down, we're next. The West, we're next. I mean, that's the way that goes. So be praying. <laughs> I mean, that's, you, I know you know that. I'm just going to remind you how serious it really is. The Holy Spirit will instruct you. God, show, show me through your Holy Spirit 
There's something you're going to be doing today where I'm going to be that I can pay attention. I can be looking and listening. Sometimes we just get so concerned with us that we don't have time for that. And then we wonder, God, I want you to do something. He said, oh, no, I tried two weeks ago, and you're not paying attention. Why, why am I going to do it again? You know? I mean, we're guilty, unfortunately. Once you know where he's working, then you start adjusting yourself. Well, I want to get in on this, God, for your glory, not me. You know, Joe just said, wait a minute, I don't get the glory for this. I'm not the one that can do this. And the, this is the first thing. Whatever God wants to do to involve us, the first thing is he loves us. That's the first thing. He loves us enough that he died on the cross so we could have a relationship with him. And us working with him is just secondary. You know, that's the, the, the main thing is this. The first thing is this. <laughs> you know, what did Jesus say? Whenever uh, Peter said, well, you know, uh, not Peter, but Andrew was, uh, I don't know, which one was it going to send Nathaniel? Philip. He said, we need to stop over here because I want to go see old friend. He said, we have time. Well, if we don't have time for our friends, who do we have time for? If you don't have time for what God wants to do, what do you have time for? Everything's going to perish and be gone. That's what he says. The first thing is our relationship with him. That's what he's concerned about first. Without a relationship with him, he can't do anything to us or with us, around us, you know, for him to use us. That's the way it is. Focus on the privilege of God wanting to use us. Why? Why would he want to use us? You know, why? I don't know. He said, that's what I'm going to do. I want to use you. Why? You know, <laughs> some people feel that God today are talking an unbiblical approach to spiritual gifts. This is a whole thing in there. And, and this is the, one of the next things is this. We have spiritual gifts that God gives us the moment we trust Christ. A lot of people will say, that's not my gift, so I'm not going to do that. That's an excuse. I remember one day in Statesboro, Debbie and I were working with the coffee house on uh, Jordan Southern Campus. One of the girls, we were doing this outreach thing there on the campus, and one of the girls said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that because I don't have to give evangelism. <laughs> what? Just because you don't have to give evangelism, you're not going to share the gospel? That's crazy. No. And, and he points out here, you take a spiritual gifts test, yes, I'm for that. But do understand where you are, in your early days and walk with Jesus, things can change as you progress. It's just like your personality. You know, you need to know what personality you are, and your spouse absolutely needs to know what personality you are and what they are. If you've never done that, Meredith can set you up, okay? <laughs> I asked her the other day. I don't know how, but she just, she took it after her mama, but they start talking about that stuff. And I said, oh, wait a minute. What, what in the world are y'all talking about? Well, I think that's ISTJ, and this is it. And I'm looking and saying, what does that mean? And they said, well, that means they're going to process this, and they're going to do this, so that's what you're looking for. It's, it's very helpful in understanding people that you work with. So I, I said, is anybody you met up there, Mercer, have a clue what you're talking about? She said, no. One girl's heard of it, an Asian girl, Yukon. She's heard of it. She don't know what it is. You know, your personality, you start off this way. I mean, they've analyzed me quite often. <laughs> and they say, you know, you started out over here, but as you mature, because, see, you know, your personality, you have strength and weaknesses, okay? And as your weaknesses get stronger, how you do some things will change. 
So if you start over here and you're operating this way with time, some of that will change the way you process and do things. The same thing with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, you have some gifts over here, but as you mature, those gifts, you don't just have one gift all your life. You can do several things. And for somebody to say, well, I don't have the gifts of teaching, so I'm not going to fill in for Sunday school. I said, that's a sin. What do you think? I don't have the gift of cleaning toilets, but I did it almost three times a month for a year and a half. That's what I did when nobody else was coming during COVID and all that stuff. That ain't my gift. I'm not a cleaner by trade. Why? It needed to be done. And some of these people come around and say, well, that's just not my gift. I know you're just sorry. That's what you are. Oh, that's not a good word, is it? But that's what it is. My buddy was talking to me this morning about my age, been going through a lot of stuff, with trying to help his mom take care of hers, having a lot of trouble in 91, and can't get anybody to help him. He just said, you know, people are just sorry now. I said, absolutely. And they're, I don't know how to say this, they're stupid. We have a friend, some of y'all know it, I'm not going to call his name, and he said, you can't fix stupid. You can't. You just can't do that. I don't, you can have some of the most educated, stupid people in the world, and you just can't fix that. You know, you say, okay, we're going to have to work around this one. He's never going to see it. You know, she's never going to see it. You know, we have to understand who we are. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. No, the Holy Spirit is a gift. He gives us gifts that God wants to use us to in, be involved in the process, but you've got to pay attention and be willing to exercise. I'd rather have one person who is willing to do something and not be gifted in it than 10 people who are gifted in it but are not willing. Oh, yeah, the Old Testament. And he goes on to it in his book, but you've got to be careful. You can't move out of the Old Testament pattern right into the New Testament because the Holy Spirit did not live inside the people in the Old Testament like it does us as believers. The Holy Spirit would come upon someone like David or like someone else like uh, the, during the Judges. The Holy Spirit would come upon someone and empower them for a certain time for a task, and then it would be gone. Okay, it's not that with us. The moment you trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes inside of us and empowers us. So it's a continuation. It's not a go and come and not go and come. So our spiritual gifts, and you're going to have more than one. You say, well, that's the only gift I have. No, you, I guarantee you have more than one. Maybe you don't want to have more than one, but you do. And that's it. God wants us to use what he's given us for his glory. But you've got to be willing, you know. Well, I ain't going to do that. Well, why not? You know, how many times? <laughs> we have to quit. One of the headings is, you know, uh, if they're willing and they're not equipped for it, we as a church have to recognize that. Oh, I have the gift of singing. No, you don't. No, you don't. We have to be honest. We have that in our history of our church. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to be up on the stage and I'm saying, no, that's not your gift. And we're not going to let you practice on us, okay? You can go out there and practice in the shower or somewhere, and if you come back and God enables you, but right now that is just not it. We need to be understanding. Why? Because if someone's willing to fill in for a little slot where they're not gifted, that's great. But you don't need to keep them there or they'll ruin the thing they're trying to work with. Why? Because they just don't have it, whatever that is, you know? But anybody who's willing to do anything that needs to be done for the moment, God will bless that. But he gives all of us enough ability to say, hey, no, Terry, that's not your gift, brother. 
I remember we were painting the walls in a new building in North Carolina, and, and uh, we were wiring the building and doing several things. A bunch of the guys, the men, were working. And one of the guys was an electrician. He got to be a pretty good friend of mine. And, and I said, what you? He said, go do something you know something about. I said, okay. Didn't hurt my feelings. I was not an electrician. I didn't know a fraction then what I know now about electricity. But he's right. He said, go do something you know something about. Why? Because you wasted my time and you ain't helping me. So I went on and started painting. And there was another guy. His gift wasn't painting. It was a big building. It was about an 8,000 square foot building. And it was a lot of it, just a whole hull because of the fellowship hall. And the men were over there painting one Saturday morning. And this one guy, they won't hear me. He's, he's dead now. Uh, he was from Virginia. He was a shrimp boat captain and a tugboat. Good, just as good a guy. Well, we were painting and just, you know, doing the things on the wall, and his wife came in and said, I bet you I can pick out, what was his name? I just lost his name right that second. She said, I bet you I can tell you where he was painting. And nobody was painting. Everybody was just standing around. She walked around. Bell. She said, there. And sure enough, I was there with him. That's exactly where he was painting. It looked horrible, you know. <laughs> you want to go like this with a roller, not go like this, and then like this, and then like this. She said, that's where he painted. I said, that's right. That's not his gift. God enables you to do something. Find out what it is. Somebody can help you. We can help you. Spurgeon said that. A lot of the job of the church is to help someone realize, have God have a call in their life. And he was specifically talking about preachers in his pastor school. He says, part of the, ch- the responsibility of the church is to help these guys see, is that really their call? They may think it's their call. You're like me. You've heard plenty of preachers who think that was their calling, and it wasn't. Huh? You may say the same thing about me. I understand that. Some days I'm thinking, no, it's not my calling today. But that's exactly what it is. got to quit. That's a great study. The main thing is this, that you and I will get into a relationship with Jesus and that we'll learn to pay attention that God is doing something and he wants us to be involved in it. So that he can be glorified. That's the purpose. No other purpose. That's it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you you tolerate us. That you would choose to use us for your glory. Regardless of who we are. What's happened in our life. Father, you're still willing. Father, help us all see that through this study. Let, Let us get closer to you. Let us get to see you as the most important thing in our life so that we'll pay attention to what you're doing and how you want to use us in some little limited sense for your glory so that you will be glorified. Father, thank you for loving us first, for forgiving us, and being patient with us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.